Mr. Grow It. From the Stack Podcast. Are you a grower? Are you tired of lugging around too many bottles? Is it too expensive? Is it so confusing? Tired of reading feed charts? Well, guess what? There is an easier way. Introducing the Stash Blend. You can now get your bag of Stash Blend premium additives that you can add to your garden using just about any base nutrients. Go to stashblend.com and get your order today. And a huge shout out to AC Infinity. AC Infinity's got a brand new bowl trimmer and you're going to want to get your hands on this. I harvested an entire pound in just a couple hours. I didn't have a sore back. It was easy on my feet and boy was it fast. Don't hesitate. Go to acinfinity.com. Use promo code THESTASH15. Save a few dollars off at checkout and thank them for being a sponsor of today's video. Hey. hey. hey Boys, up, good fellas? to see you. What's going on? From the Stash Podcast. We are back. We are, man. And we are here. It's good to be Rowan. back. Pigeon 420, me, Rob, just Rob. Rob, ROB, CLTV, baby. How you guys doing on this lovely day? That's wonderful, man. Doing great. Let's say it's Sunday, because that's the time that the podcast Lovely will release. Lovely Sunday. It's a beautiful Sunday, isn't it? Unless you're on right. Patreon, then you saw this a little early. Shout out to those who support the channel, patreon.com slash from the stash. Those are the number one sponsors of the brand. Thought you guys wouldn't be able to continue to do this content for free. So really appreciate you guys. Yeah, appreciate Thanks, the guys. supporters that are in, uh, you know, specifically the um, VIP and premium which we are going to roll across the screen right now. Um, if you are in one of those categories, you uh, get credits, show credits. Every single uh, show now, you get credits on it and uh, appreciate your support there. Absolutely. Yeah, so, man. I don't know about you fellas. I know uh, myself, we're getting into this season. It's a little bit uh, chilly for me. and It's always cold for me. I'm in Michigan. It's Hold only warm for a few months. I know, I know. I know it's worse for you, but I've been having, uh, and it could just be the kind of water I have, but I've been having a lot of fluctuation in my water quality, we'll say. And it's not just my, uh, what's in the water, so to speak, the TDS or the PPMs or ECs, but my pH has been different out of the tap. Well, after using the, uh, blue, I'm using the, was it not blue light filter, blue boogie, boogie brew filter. Ah. Um, I'm hitting like 8.4, my pH, man. It's too high. Even when I'm going with the organic soil, I just feel like it's too high. I know there could be a buffer in there to take care of it. Do you guys deal with pH or PPM? Do you ever focus on those things at all? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's important. Like I, I have a really good water system in my town, and I don't have to focus on pH at all and it's been years and i'm very fortunate for that but monitoring my parts per million yeah i'm very lucky because prior to having a good uh, water system we were we were very high um in ph and in parts per million and now that we have a system that's regulated we are a very stable ph with a very very low parts per million so i'm very thankful for that very thankful for that but of course you got to pay attention to your parts per million because you know younger plants aren't going to take as many as many parts so as much nutrients food as something that's going to be maybe a little later in veg and flour and of course your parts per million will change based on what you're feeding it and what those parts are made of so yeah something i keep in mind 
you still pay attention to that stuff, Chris? Yeah, well, I think, you know, taking a step back and looking at big picture, I think we can all agree that pH and um, the nutrition, you know, whether it be the ions, whether you're measuring EC or PPM, that's important, right? I think every grower can agree that it's important. Now, whether or not it's monitored is a different one, right? Like there's people who say it's not important to monitor both those things, or it is important to monitor both of those things. And I think it really breaks down between if you're growing with organic inputs or if you're growing with like synthetic bottled nutrients, you have more people on the organic side being like, ah, I don't pay attention to any of that. The root system takes care of it. The, the, the microbes take care of it. So I don't need to monitor the pH. I don't need to monitor the EC or, or PPM. Uh, the breakdown is going to happen from the organic inputs and the plant's going to uptake it. And there's some people that still do monitor the pH and EC PPM. Um, I personally, if I'm running across like an issue, I might check the pH or um, PPM, whether it be a runoff test, slurry test, um, so on and so forth, just to see if I can identify a problem. Maybe there's a lack of nutrition in there. Maybe the pH is out of range. But for the most part, I'm not really monitoring, like measuring the pH and PPM. I was born and raised on PPM. I know when we talk about EC PPM, pretty much the same thing. Um, just kind of a PPM is a calculation of EC. Uh, but yeah, I'm only really monitoring that growing with organic inputs if I come across a problem. On the synthetic type of things, if I'm using bottles, I'm paying a lot closer attention to the pH, PPM, um, and uh, and that's more of a precision way of feeding the plant, right? Uh, feeding plant versus feeding the soil uh, with the mineral-based. It's in a form that the plant can uptake. Technically, you're kind of feeding the plant, not really feeding the soil at that point. But yeah, again, um, I think we can all agree that it is important. It's just a matter of whether or not we think it's important to monitor. And I think that comes down to what way you are growing. When I think what's important is like for the people who are, are newer growers, we'll say, or new to this game, we'll say, what are all these letters? PH, PPM, EC, TDS. Let's just break down a little bit. And I should have got a note for this one, but Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. PH stands for potential of hydrogen. Okay. Yeah, power of hydrogen, hydrogen potential. It's a measure of hydrogen ions in the soil. Okay, cool. So that that's good. I do have some notes right here, actually. So that's where the uh, it measures the acidity or the alkalinity of the solution, and that would be in your roots, really, or the water or the soil, the media. Now, that being a scale of zero to fourteen, for the most part, seven is going to be neutral, and below seven is acidic. Um, above seven is going to be alkaline. Now, alkalitic. Alkalitic. So how a plant uptakes those nutrients, that's the big thing, is that's where pH is an issue. If your pH isn't regulated, it's not going to uptake those nutrients, and that's how they play alongside the PPM or EC, the electrical conductivity. So without those kind of being dialed in, you're going to have issues on one or the other, and they can definitely play a massive, massive part in the success of your plant. Now, not having the, the nutrient availability is huge. When you're in an organic soil, oftentimes you'll have a buffer that'll take care of the the adjustment of that pH, but my water is at like almost pushing nine. So I still am trying to bring it down a little bit before I go into that mix. I'm just using craft blend with um, stash blend bars. And currently I'm still seeing a little bit of stress sometimes when I go just straight water. So I've been dropping my pH closer to six, five, and I've been seeing better results. And I think that's because again, that nutrient availability also with the, uh, the microbes, you know, they're going to thrive more at a certain range. And if they're lower, it could harm the microbes. So I don't want to 
ruin the, the life that I have in that soil, you know, ruin my battery by just being a little lazy with it. So luckily I've recently grab it right here. Shout out AC Infinity, shameless plug, sent me out their uh, new all-in-one pH and PPM meter, and it's been really helpful because I've had two separate ones. I use Apera, which look very, very similar. Shout out to Apera, also a great company. If they're related, then we got lucky because now it's got AC Infinity branding and backing with quote, quality technology. But by having the all-in-one meter, that's changed the game for me because I could do it all with one device instead of having to take all that extra time. And this is the argument of doing the organic feeding versus synthetic or getting the pH perfect nutrients. So you don't got to deal with all this stuff because it does become a hassle for those having to treat your water. Or if you don't have perfect water like pee or have nice uh, uh, well water, you know, I live in the outskirts of a city and the water sucks here and Flint's not too far. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being, being cautious of your water is definitely when someone comes is definitely a high priority. When someone comes to me with an, with an issue, they will present me with a picture of a plant and say, pigeons, what's going on? And, you know, typically the found, I always say, if you've got an issue, you start at the, start at your basics, back to basics. What's your basics? Well, going back to the, doing the things that you probably don't do anymore. Checking your runoff. Why are you checking your runoff? You want to see what kind of nutrients are coming out of the plant. Is what going in is what's coming out and is the pH too high or too low? Is it too alkalitic? Is it too acidic? And the generally speaking, when someone has a problem, it's aligned with either a pH issue, a parts per million issue, either it's not enough parts per million or it's too many parts per million. And so generally I would say I can, I can troubleshoot most problems by just referring back to the medium. What's your pH? What's your parts per million? Keeping track of is, a, is very important. I, I remember it was hard concept for me to understand. And you, you kind of touched on it when you mentioned the scale parts per million or the pH or the potential of hydrogen is kind of, it's a scale. And you said zero to 14. And if you list all your nutrients in a line next to that, so you got zinc, boron, calcium, potassium, uh, you name it, and you've got them all lined up. And at seven, you, you get the most range of nutrients. So you're able to consume as the plant takes up nutrients, the, the a mass or a variety, all of those nutrients. If it's too far to one side, you're not getting this half of the nutrient scale. If it's too far to this side, you're not getting this half. If it's in the middle, you're getting a little bit of everything. And that th there's a ton of meters and, and maybe, you know, maybe our editor could throw one up on the scale of a, of a uh, pH meter showing the, or scale showing the nutrients. But once you understand that, it makes a lot more sense, the importance of pH and, and how you can apply it in your garden. And then of course, measuring your, your salt buildups with EC uh, is a different thing or is a different scenario. One of the downsides about those uh, pH charts you mentioned with all the nutrients and where they're available and so on and so forth is there's, man, there's so many uh, that vary online. You know, you look at one and it's different from the other and it's different from the other. And then you find out that uh, it's, it's focused by plant, you know, this plant and then this plant. So it's like, oh man. So it's hard to like refer people over to that. I know like when I first started growing, I was told the general range, if you're growing in soil is to stay in between six PM, six and seven pH. If you're in hydro, 5.5 to 6.5 pH. Now, there are many people that go outside of that range. There may be people that narrow down that range even more specific. In soil, a lot of people love that 6.5. You know, every single time they uh, feed in nutrients, they're feeding, they're making sure their solution is at 6.5 going in. And some people just ignore that runoff measurement. 
other folks are going to primarily look at that runoff measurement and kind of use that to determine, you know, next time they water what the pH should be. Sometimes uh, if they feel like the, the pH is maybe in the fives, high fives, they might water in at like 6.7 and hope that they see an adjustment upwards towards that 6.5 sweet spot, for example. So there are a lot of ways to kind of go about it. And people do various things in order to try to adjust the pH in the medium. Now, um, kind of narrowing down things to even more specifics, um, the plant's roots has what's called a rhizosphere. It's the, 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 the outermost layer of the root. It's a section that's about one to three millimeters, if I'm not mistaken. And that's where um, a lot of the, the, the pH really matters. And some people say, oh, you're making adjustments to the water. You're making adjustments to the medium. The runoff measurement isn't going to be the measurement of what the rhizosphere is. So there's a lot of controversy, a lot of discussion, debate, so on and so forth. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind is that the plant actually releases acids in order to adjust the pH in the rhizosphere. So, for example, if um, iron, let's take iron, for example, right? Iron in a higher pH, I think it's uh, above 6.5, maybe towards 7 or even higher. It's not in a form that the plant can actually uptake. So it'll release an acid, hydroxide. And it will actually convert that into a form. It'll lower the pH, convert that to a form that the plant can actually uptake. So things like that are happening um, way beyond my knowledge. You know, a couple of things I know about that. But long story short, the pH in the rhizosphere is said to be the most important. Um, there's a lot of debate whether or not uh, the pH in the medium really matters, if we should be, you know, monitoring the runoff or slurry. And there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there. So... I think those are like lung room conditions. Those are like your outer layer. And if that's really off, then you know the inner layer is going to be really off. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Point. I think that's the easiest bro science explanation would be, uh, you know, if your soil is wonky in terms of your pH is way too high and you've maybe potentially have some salt buildups in there. Well, most likely your root zone is not going to be any better. It'll probably be worse. And same thing if it's uh, slightly out, like let's say you do the slurry test, which that used to be the go-to method, whether you were in cocoa or in soil slurry test was the method it doesn't give you the exact measurement of your roots and in order to get the soil or the media that's around your roots you potentially could damage your roots so there are soil testing meters and some people will you know say those aren't the best too because you're damaging your roots as you're poking through into there but if you're running into issues in my opinion that would probably be the first thing to check would be looking at the soil or the media ph over anything else even in the uh the old hay abbey their nutrients don't hold up in terms of keeping that pH uh, range from adjusting, from having a drift. So after two or three days, I noticed that the plant's looking a little wonky, a little yellowy. I'm like, huh. I checked the water, and of course, I'm at 7.2 now versus 5.8, and it shot up within a few days. That swing directly to the roots, because we're not in soil, there's nothing around that is direct to uh, water to roots, it's going to shock the plant more. As where when you're in soil, you can catch that a little earlier on because you're going to see before it, it damages your roots too much. Your plant's going to give you those signs and you could potentially uh, attack it in the right way. So what are some uh, some things that you guys have dealt with in the past when it comes to PPM or pH? Have you like done any sort of manipulation, like any sort of high fertigation, uh, high frequency fertigation or um, crop steering at all with pH or with ppm so it might be a little deeper of a subject commercial side of things but i have bro science ph if unless you guys have something 
No, I mean, for me, I mean, I, one thing I'd say real quick is that I used to really monitor or adjust the pH of my water going in. Um, even with it being all real water, um, I live in an area where the PPM here and the uh, is like f- nearly 500. It's it's really not good. A uh, lot of sodium and bicarbonates. I can't use my tap water here. I have to filter it. I use an RO filter, um, strips almost everything down. And I used to actually, you know, use a pH adjuster and adjust it down. But then I've come to learn that, um, you know, with not many ions there, you don't really have to adjust it. At least that's what I'm told. It doesn't that's make smart. much of an impact. So I figured I'd mention yeah. that one um, for those that are filtering out their water and maybe doing RO. But now as far as like adjusting the pH and trying to crop steer, and, and no, nah, not much really. Yeah, I nope, thought far it was. Too, yeah, far too commercial. Cool. Yeah, far too commercial for me. Uh, well, even too- pH though, like I've, I've heard this was bro science from like a, a roll it up article or something or a forum post. But somebody was saying to have more potassium later in flour increasing your ph closer to 6.6 in soil 6.7 to have more of that availability and less on the other side because your plants aren't going to need as much as the n the p and more of the k potentially now the whole uh anecdotal evidence honestly that's really what it is for me because i never did a side by side but i never saw any damage to the plant so i do think depending on what media you're using you can have some swings i don't think it's going to hurt it adjusting it for uh, additional growth or, or crop steering. I'm not sure if that would be as ideal, but I do know PPM or EC crop steering is high uh, frequency fertigation. And a lot of people do that in commercial grow settings or cash croppers where they're going to be feeding heavy, heavy doses of, of EC at low rates multiple times per day and basically force feeding that plant. I think we talked about it recently in an episode uh, when we were out in Vegas. And essentially it's just uh you know, like how we have American competitive eating. There's a Japanese dude, too. I saw in the comment section. There's a Japanese competitive eater. He's like the champ. Anywho's forcing your stomach to be able to take in more. So like eating more salad or more greens to stretch your stomach so you can pound back those those glizzies. Similar situation is where you're forcing that plant to obtain more food and, and giving it more at a time in lesser dosages. So that way it can eat more and it can grow more. And you're you're pushing it more in that crop steering direction. And there's a science to it. I don't do it myself. I'm an organic setup and I have um, basic watering for synthetics, but you need to be able to have a way to measure your, um, the moisture in your media and also, you know, your dryback science behind everything. And then you also need to be able to have automated watering multiple times per day. So there's, there's a science behind manipulating the EC and the PPM, but unless you're cash cropping or your commercial grow, or you're smelling like I do, it may not be worth doing because the differences are, are pretty, I mean, they can be large depending on the cultivar, but what I saw on, on actual COAs were differences of about 4 to 5% higher in THC, which is big when you're in a commercial setting, and about 2% higher on terpenes, which is, can be pretty big. So in a quality standpoint, there is areas to gain there, but there's a lot of money to put into that equipment. You're going to be spending thousands to measure it and to be able to feed it that way. So you got to think about the ROI of your time and your dollar if you're going to want to do this. Yeah, it makes total sense to me that uh, if you can, you know, give the plant specific nutrients at a specific time while alleviating other nutrients that it doesn't need, that it would utilize the ones that it does. So I see, I see some validity to it, whether it's anecdotal or bro science or what have you. It, it makes some sense to me. Um, I think some one thing we should touch on, which is fairly important, is um, like the meters themselves. I know that when you first buy a meter. A lot of people don't even know that you're supposed to calibrate it. You're supposed to uh, get a constant 
and calibrate it according to that and then continuously calibrate it keep it yeah, checked and, you know regularly and then not to mention many of them if not all of them i didn't dive too deep if you may have seen my comprehensive review of the uh, ac infinity uh, ph pen um a lot of them need to stay hydrated or moist you need to keep the diode on it uh, moist. A lot of people don't do that either. So I would reckon that a lot of people are getting false readings with the equipment that they're using because it's not properly dialed and or maintained. So it is proper practice to keep the diode moist and regularly calibrate it. So I think that's important to mention. Yeah, yeah that was, that's uh, huge. Yeah, the, the, the bulb there on the end of the pH meter, it'll, it'll dry out. And I mean, the amount of pH meters I've gone through, even being moist in the storage solution, which is what they shall, uh, sell. Yeah, the storage solution here. Man, it's... I, I just do tap water, but if your tap water is hard, that's the thing, is if you're doing this frequently, just like your shower, it, you just have to clean. You have to literally go with a... I had a toothbrush that I used, a small toothbrush, and I'd scrub it every so often. I had a blue lab when they were still really expensive, and mine crapped out on me. And luckily, you can replace the probe, but you can ruin a whole crop by thinking that you're adjusting your pH right and you're lowering it. So I was going at 3.2 at one point in soil because it was so off. And it, it, it said it was on like the uh, check mark for being calibrated said it was there, but it just, it was gunked up, you know, and that's where storage is huge, man, huge for those. Yeah. So I've had probes dry out. I had to chunk the pH meters, unfortunately, because of that. Um, I also tend to see that the, when it's adjusting, right, you put it in the solution, it starts to adjust, uh, goes down or up or, or whatever, right? It just takes longer to kind of get to where it is to get that reading, um, you know? So if like, uh, if you're in a 7.0 storage solution, for example, you pop it into a water um, solution that's maybe 6.0, takes a little while to kind of dial down and stabilize at it. Um, I feel like over time, it takes longer and longer to get to the actual what it is. Um, I'm waiting minutes in order to, I don't know if it's just, just my meter really going back quickly or like, yeah, it seems like the newer meters that are calibrated and are still good. Those adjust and get to where it is quicker than probes that are potentially just about to be gone, you know, about to be done. Yeah. That's why I switched up to the Apera initially is I bought two different blue labs from the grocery store. They replaced the probes, but the amount of time I had to wait for the probe and I had to feed my plants I bought a pool testing strip, just a simple pimple, and it worked. But again, like at the time, being a caregiver and it was dollars and cents, I couldn't just sacrifice that. It was a, a big headache for me. And that's what made me veer a little bit more towards switching to want to be the organic side of things. More That was the first push when people were like, I don't know, I've never had a pH meter. I don't deal with that. But then I've also got buddies who use, you know, like the pH perfect solutions, we'll say. And those are ones that once you add all the nutrients in, it's dialed right about to where your pH needs to be. And I noticed with uh, Ventana Plant Science, it'll do that. Advanced Nutrients, uh, Dutch Pro would do that. House and Garden does that. There's a lot of brands that'll adjust it for you. But if you're using cocoa, that's when then you have to get the cocoa mix because then it'll be a little different. And, and the amount of, of nutrition that'll be in that will be different from the others. So it, it boils down to really knowing the science. And you can simplify. You don't have to go this deep. This is like intermediate levels, we'll say, maybe Blue Belt and Growing. But you can simplify the process, too. And if you're just trying to do the basic things, you could do the pool strips. You could do um, for pH up, let's say you could do baking soda or lime or um, like wood ash if it's got potassium carbonate in it. 
You can mix um, um, spag- Canadian sphagnum peat moss in to get it to go up to make it more alkalinic. Right there. Uh, citrus juice or vinegar, sulfur, those are all downs. So, like, you can have, you could simplify everything there and just use a pool strip, or you can go over an organic media that has some of these things in it. But if you're not paying attention to it, if you don't know the basics of it, that's what screwed me up in a lot of grows is thinking that it was this or that, and it was the pH that really messed me up. And it was all me trusting that meter blindly and not calibrating it. That was my long rant of calibration. But man, it's so important. Same with the PPM meters. If you think that you're, you're dialing it in and really the tool you're using is not accurate, build a house with the wrong measurements and see how that works. You know, same with growing. It's just not going to not going to hold up. I was going to say, if you are a beginner and you are looking, I think a common question is what range do you stay in, specifically with uh, the PPM or EC? Um, I go by PPM. In my book, there's actually kind of a general range that you can keep in for the different stages of growth, right? Because we know that as the plant's small, it's not going to need as much nutrients or nutrition in the medium as it is when it's larger plant, right? So um, some people break it down. They target certain PPMs to like a certain PPM range to be in for the different stages of growth. And I just want to name it off here what I have uh, actually within my beginner grow book. Again, these are general ranges. Um, If you stay within the ranges, you should be good, but there is some um, variance, right? If you have a a large plant and flowering, for example, you might need, you could potentially go higher than what's recommended here. But uh, long story short, uh, vegetation, um, well, actually like week one, right after sprout, seedling stage, 100 to 250 PPM. Um, and this is a um, five scale, right? Well, 500 scale PPM meter. Um, there's a 750 scale PPM meter as well. That's mostly used over in Europe. And I think the 500 is mostly used in the States. And I think the 750 is also mostly used in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. So I didn't know that. I, there's two different. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's oh. different scales. So, oh. um, so 500 scale seedling week one, 100 to 250 ppm. Weeks two to three, so seedling stage, 300 to 400 ppm. Um, in the vegetation stage, so you're four weeks in uh, and beyond, seven, 450 to 700 ppm. Some are going upwards into the 1,000 ppm there. Uh, flowering first few weeks, first four weeks, 750 to 950 ppm, and then flower weeks five and beyond, 1,000 to 1,600 ppm. Um, again, you can go outside those ranges. These are just general ranges that are for beginners that you can kind of target. Um, so you're not going in there blind and you have no idea what you're doing and then you're overfeeding or you're underfeeding. At least there's something you can kind of go off to begin. Um, and then uh, would be worthy to mention the old school technique of uh, – Prior to harvest, flushing, a lot of people bring the PPM down as much as possible. Uh, some people bring it down to as, as less than a, a th- 100 PPM. Um, that's actually, you know, mentioned in my book is people will take that route. Uh, to People swear that it, in, you know, either increases terpenes or it breaks down the chlorophyll. A lot of debate still on flushing before harvest. We're not going to get into that. I think we have a whole video on yeah, that. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. We've already talked about that. If you guys want us to, to bit, dive but, deeper into flushing and in the plant more, let's uh, hop over on Twitch sometime on a Thursday and do it for a Q&A. It'd be great. Twitch.com slash twitch.tv slash from the stash. Because that's honestly when it, science keeps, keeps evolving. Somebody asked, what's anti-wolves in Chris's recent video? It, once we have science to back what our bro science has been, that's the science that evolved. Once somebody who will go and do these tests for us and, and give us some evidence, like that's worth the conversation. Even if it's something we feel like we know, I think it's worth uh, the conversation, man. For me, what's crazy, I, I never 
have checked my PPM getting like towards the end. I've just looked at what I'm feeding my plant. Like I'll literally go as low as 300, 400 maybe in latent flower. But now it's weird because then you're looking at an organic plant. So what's the difference there? It's just taking up what it's taking because you're not going to be measuring your PPM there if you're just watering your, your nutrient-rich soil. So it's like there's there comes that argument of where the science is for doing these things. Is there an actual science behind the increased end result of quality or, or production? Or is it just that people are doing this for extra steps? Because I know a lot of the DIY simplified get or done kind of growers are like, Psh, all these numbers and all that. I don't even, don't even have a meter. I've been growing for 20 years. It's dumb. You know, I know Goblin. I don't think he even has a pH meter. Maybe just for his, his teas, maybe. But Green Goblin, he's been doing organic soil since uh, he started growing, man. I remember I brought him a clone and I'm telling him to do all this wacky jacky stuff. I come back and he's just like, nope, I mixed all these random nasty things. I just water. I'm like, oh, you just check. You got to check the water. Nope. Just water. So there's the pros and cons. It's like, do you want to do all these extra things and know all these numbers? And I feel like it's good to know, especially when you see a cultivar that could do better. You're like, hmm, what can I do with this one? Maybe I can increase it with a, a, a nutrient-rich tea or uh, amend it even more because that's where you can impact those PPMs. It may just be within that soil range and it's harder to test with the meter and the liquid base, but you can still increase the food because, again, when you're looking at a range anywhere from 900 to 1600 or even 600 to 1600, depending on the cultivar, not everything is going to react the same to your feeding regimen. So you may want to increase or decrease. And that's where like that mid to late flowering is really where you'll see what, what the difference is, you know? Yep. Environmental concerns will also play an impact on, um, on your, your demand from your plant as well. If you are training, Heavy, heavy, heavily, heavy training. Typically, by the end of veg, towards the end of veg, my parts per million are much higher. I'm in around like 900 because, like, she's working. She's, she's working hungry. overtime. She's hungry, and uh, uh, yeah. And, and I, there's nothing I can add to what Chris said in regards to uh, um, the parts per million and the range. So that was that was really good. No, uh, I, think I, you I, I up a very sorry. excellent point, right? You increase the light, increase the CO2. You're going to need to increase the nutrient demand. Right, you're going to increase the amount of uh, nutrition that you have in the medium because uh, well, you'll we've see been talking about this, start like, to happen. Well, like working out and diets. We've literally behind the scenes been talking about this a lot. Like over the past years, I see I'm, I'm editing myself. I'm like, damn, I'm so skinny. And people see me in person, like, you're taller than I realize. I'm like, it's not good. I'm tall and skinny. So I was like, I need to, I'm working out all the time. Why am I not seeing any difference? And just like with your plant, if you're putting your plant through more tedious works, workout, it's going to need more nutrition and more nutrition, be more food. Just like a human, you need to up your, your calorie intake. If I'm working out all the time, I'm going to need to eat more. As a human, you also need a balanced pH. If it, it, your body needs to be balanced as well, if you can't be too alkalitic or acidic and, and, and if we're not balanced, you, you, your immune system can be wing out as well. I, I, I've never done such a thing. Dude, I, I got a buddy who legitimately will test his urine that's crazy. for the alkalinity. And like, yeah. that's why you Power see, you see companies that sell expensive ass water and it's, you know, it's alkaline. alkaline and people swear by, you know, putting lemon in your water and all these different things. And there's science too. you know, your body having a better pH, you're going to be able to fight things off better and the alkalinity in your body can help. And it's going to be the same with your plants. If your, your pH is off, your PPMs off, that plant is not going to thrive. It's not going to be what you saw on the internet when you ordered that genetic. And I feel like that's the big argument for those who don't care about pH or PPM. Those who watch this episode and rolled your eyes and dropped in the comments with something negative there's other people who have different ways of growing different totes for different folks and knowing these basic things or intermediate things can make or break your garden. And I hope that's helpful. 
I think it's important too to mention as we talk about the demand and the importance of pH and parts per million is to identify like some of the issues that might be attributed to either a too high, too low parts per million or uh, a, an inaccurate or unbalanced pH. Um, and they can often look very similar. When you have an imbalanced pH, you might have a deficiency or a toxicity based on what range your pH is in. So if it's too high, maybe you're taking taking in those too much potassium, too much iron. I think iron's on the other side, but anyways. And, and if it's too low, you're not getting this side. So you could be deficient in some and toxic in other ones. Uh, so I, I find too trying to identify pH issues along with toxicity issues can be can be tough. And when I say toxicity issues, I'm referring to a high parts per million or a deficient issue with which would be low parts per million. So yeah, it, it, trying to identify issues can be tough too when when determining between a pH issue, a parts per million, million issue, a, a toxicity, a deficiency, environmental light issue. burn, cold yeah. temperatures. Yeah. That yellowing of the plant, like that's one. If you guys, if you guys want us to have an episode where we're going for an hour, man, let's uh, see what the comment section of the likes are. If you want us to see a video talking about yellowing and deficiencies and what they may be, because that's like 500 different things, uh, hit the like button, drop it in the comment <laughs> section, let us yeah. know. Yeah, you, you do bring up some uh, great points, P, on, on that last note there. Um, but yeah, it goes back to kind of organics versus synthetics, right? And I do want right. to leave this episode here uh, with uh, something that's going to uh, cause some engagement in the chat, if I may. There's a couple clips here that I have that I'd like to play. Um, shout out to Jeremy from Build a Soil and then Tad Hussey from Kiss Organics. I'm going to see if I can share my screen here. They're talking about does pH matter in living soil? So let me share my screen right here real quick and play it. So one minute clip from Jeremy and then a, I think it's a three minute clip from Tad. Does pH matter in my indoor living soil grow? Well, that's a convoluted question, but the short answer is no. And what I mean by that is there's a difference in what pH means when it comes to soil. And I'll explain it as quickly as I can. When you are in hydro, all of your nutrients depend on a certain pH because the nutrients are available in the water. And so pHing your water makes sense because that's the final nutrient solution. And it is where all the nutrients are picked up. In soil, the pH is a, an accumulation of the calcium, the magnesium, the potassium, the sodium, and all of the other nutrients that are in the soil. Once those add up, it creates a particular pH. Now, if you have a high pH because it's sodium, pHing is not gonna do anything. If you have a low pH because there's not enough calcium, pHing the water is not going to do anything. It's more important to address the soil problem that will correct the pH than it is to try and pH your water. That's why we say throw away the pH meter. Doesn't mean it doesn't have value, but it's different in living soil. So that's Jeremy's take on this. And then we've got uh, somebody else who grows organics that is well known in the industry, Tad Hussey, Kiss Organics. Same day, he <laughs> fires off this video here talking about does pH matter in living soils? This is from, uh, quick doubt, this is from his conversation with Dr. Uram Kalpanik. I think I butchered that. It's a, a podcast clip. One, uh, one last question I had for you that was sort of unrelated, but one that I, I hear debated by growers that I think you could answer uh, fairly readily is this idea of rhizosphere pH and the importance of pH. Um, some organic growers don't really... Uh, don't use pH as a tool because they say that the, the soil's ability and the microbes ability to buffer 
is so great that it's less important. However, uh, some of us, like myself, feel that while there is an aspect to that, by optimizing uh, pH in, in rhizosphere and in the soil, we're allowing uh, for these the plant to have less stress and to make these um, make it easier for the plant to uptake nutrients. Um, yeah. What What are your thoughts on this, and how do microbes help in uh, sort of that pH and rhizosphere relationship? Yes, pH is very important. Uh, under high pH, you really want to to absorb. If the, if you really want your plant to absorb enough iron for the chlorophyll to have a good color and photosynthesis in the in, in the leaves, uh, you. Please make sure that the pH will not be above uh, seven and a half, uh, even lower than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, six eight or something like this. If you have a low pH, then your plant will not be able to absorb some of uh, uh, the goodies that uh, is being needed for for a good crop. Uh, so this is something which uh, should be kept in mind. Uh, my recommendation is uh, take a a nutrient solution with high buffer capacity and that will help you uh, to overcome uh, uh, those uh, uh, situations in the rhizosphere. So is it safe to say that the, the rhizosphere, plant rhizosphere interactions and the rhizosphere itself is, is highly complicated? We are still learning a lot about the soil microbiome in relationship to the rhizosphere. And by having the pH within uh, a range that is more optimal for the plant, all we're doing is making it easier for the plant to access nutrients, which will potentially reduce plant stress and allow it to put more energy into yield and growth and protection. Yeah, Yeah. those sorts of things. So I wanted to show that because, uh, well, just to show that there's still debate within the community, whether or not pH is important or not. And I want to pass this question off to the folks in the audience, right? Do you think pH is important in the medium? Do you think uh, it's important to monitor really the pH, the PPM, the EC? Do you monitor it? Let us know down in the comments. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, that's really good. I like what they touched on. I think honestly, they're both kind of saying the similar thing, but different. I in, think in- this is like, it circles back to my point before when I said that I could probably put that 8.6 water in, but I'm going to dial it down closer to the range it should be in because, again, I don't want to – I'd rather have the plant work on growth you, than – you want to work for the plant back. or have the plant work for itself? Yeah. There's, so an yeah. Essential, and essentially, neither one is wrong. You can do what you want to do. And that's where, what I love about – that's why we do this as a, a business, as a passion, as my everything, dude. This is my lifestyle because it's so crazy. Man. We could talk about this for years, and there's so many different ways to do it and so many ways that are right, even if you don't agree with it. The end result product – like. I've gone to a place and I saw a dude doing biodynamics, burying a horn with new, like weird soil stuff in it during the moons, like just the craziest stuff. If you're into biodynamics, drop in the comment section because it's a mind blowing thing. It's interesting. But does it really make your stuff that much better? His product was good. So it's hard to say, it, you know, but there's so many ways to do it. I think to knock it is just ignorant. And those are the people who aren't living their life, man. If you're passionate about this, try different things. I got a freaking grow box over here. I'm not getting paid for it. I'm just doing it because I'm interested to see what it does man like i've knocked it for so many years i did that with organics i grew a whole run of headbanger just to say in the end i wanted to be like man i grew it better here but i was wrong i was like wow okay it's uh 
just as fire and I did no work. This is amazing. I just watered my plant and look at the results. So there's, there's multiple ways to do it. And I think that's the biggest thing to argue that one's better than the other. That's just ignorance. Agriculture has been around for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know the science on it, but we've been, we've been, years. we've been perfecting agriculture for as long, almost as long as we've been around, but we only recently have been able to cultivate this plant as widespread as we have been now and will only continue to grow. So the conversation will continue to change. The science will continue to evolve. Science used to tell us that the world was flat until science told us it wasn't. So it does, it does evolve. And so will the conversation around this plant. Awesome, man. I think, I think people could really gather something from this. Today. Absolutely, man. It was a great Absolutely. conversation, and I, I can't wait to see if there's anything we missed or if there's something that you feel like that. you could Drop add. We want to hear from you because all three of us read the comments. I probably read the comments more on this damn channel. Than I'm going to do, do it own. less. So, so put it down. We want to hear from you. Constructive comments, of course, but uh, great conversation. Is there something you guys want to add at the end there? Uh, just shout out to everybody who's listening, tuning in. Shout out to you, fellas. And uh, with that being said, it's your boy, Rob, Mr. Groat, Pigeon420. We'll see you guys next time. Stay lifted. Peace. Peace. Peace.